Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. That's the best weird, you can do. Weird intro, it? So okay, again, again. Re- reload it. We'll keep it in. All right, guys, welcome <laughs> back to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, episode 179. I am your host, Rick. You're the guy. I'm with co-host Guy. How are you, pal? I'm good. Next week will be 180, and you have to start it off with a uh, darts shout. 100%. Okay. However, yeah. next Monday, I'm you're going to have to bring me in, in maybe a, a wheelchair or a stretcher. Yes. Because Sunday... Next week, or this week now that we're in, I am attempting, and I'm going to use that word very strongly, attempting to run the London Marathon. Let's have one more asterisk, attempting to complete the London Marathon. Correct. You might not run it all. (laughs) (laughs) I will not run it all. I have done next to no training. I've been super, super busy with all different things going on. Obviously going to America, blah, blah, blah. Um, So... It's going to be a very interesting challenge. I'm running it for the charity, It's Never You. Uh, Do check it out. I'll put a link in the description of the podcast and the video podcast as well. If you can donate, it'd be really appreciated. It's to support families, parents of children with cancer. Yes. Uh, So I'm actually running it with the founder of that charity, uh, Kerry, who unfortunately lost his son uh, a couple of years ago from cancer. So it'll be an emotional one. I'm sure if there's ever a time that we have to um, dig deep, we'll remember Hugh, his little boy, and uh, make sure that we keep going. So if you are at London Marathon this weekend, if you see me, please spur me on. What should we all shout? Code words, you know, it's definitely there for you. Because there could be another Rick running near you. So go on, Rick. Doesn't really resonate. What does it have to be? Um, Ooh. Bear in mind, people might shout this, so think long and hard. Uh, oh god yeah this is quite i was trying to think of a, a funny one to say you know what what's is it on delay that's quick in like spanish like yeah, on I delay, it, on delay, delay. Yeah, i think so that okay so go on delay on delay rick <laughs> on delay on delay rick have you got um, an outfit planned yeah i'm what? gonna do it in a massive teddy bear outfit yeah excuses then <laughs> oh, well i did it in seven hours so i dressed as a teddy bear i think i'm gonna have the the two men in a horse running past me I'll have the guy who's doing it in a bloody 1950s snorkeling outfit, you know, yep. deep dive outfit run past me. Um, there'll be, there'll be a couple of gymnasts that are doing it 
all on their hands, heads, handstands all the way will probably run past me. Yeah, but you know what? You can look at all yeah. them dweebs running past you and go, yeah, but have you played Augusta National? <laughs> have you had? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm slightly nervous, but because my expectation levels are so low, I'm also not too concerned. You've kind of, in a weird way, gone about, well, you've gone about it the wrong way, but yet kind of the right way because... If you'd have somewhat trained, you'd be like, well, I've done a bit of training, I've put a few hours in, oh, I'm expecting this time or that time. You're going in with no expectations. <laughs> so completing it's a good achievement, really. I'll let you know next Monday, I will complete, I will finish, albeit running, walking, crawling, u- Ubering, Ubering, taking the bus, yep. underground, I will get from point A to point B and finish that race. Best of luck to you. Thank you. <laughs> Again, if you want to support it, link in the description. It'd be really appreciated. No, it's a good cause. And jokes aside, I think any time that you do put your name to a charity event, you naturally raise a lot of money. Thanks to our wonderful listeners and watchers and your subscribers, etc. So kudos to yourself. Kudos to those people who are putting their hands in their pockets and spending their hard-earned cash and, and putting it to such a great cause as well. Um, today's podcast, it's quite a chilled-out vibe because it's your first day back proper since your gallivanting around the states speaking of the states i've actually become a big fan of country music over last weekend (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 so i'll tell you why actually this weirdly links back to one of your last charity escapades when you uh walked across uh and it's australia no australia (laughs) scotland and me and matt behind the camera and a couple of the lads we played golf uh one evening and one of them was playing music which i'm not a massive not against i've never really been someone that has music on on the golf course what's your thoughts on that i've just not done it enough but i think i would enjoy it it's quite good get a speaker my my only thing is i just don't like disturbing other golfers well the lucky thing for us was the course was empty it was about seven o'clock was it matt on an evening or something and uh this really cool quite cheap scottish golf course and one of the lads had a speaker with him and he put on country music and i liked it for two reasons firstly it was weirdly quite chilled and secondly, because I didn't know the songs, it actually worked better as background music, if that makes sense. If it was songs that you recognised that humming along to, whatever. This weekend, I was driving, and I was a bit sick of my smooth chill, which is what I normally listen to, and I went for smooth country, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Well, So there, there you go. know, something you know about me, something new. <laughs> so next time you're on an America trip and I'm coming, I'll be in my big truck, couple of beers in hand listen to some country not sure if you can i'll be i'll be uh shotgun you could be driving okay um yeah i i i can see the appeal of country music it's not quite up my street but i i get that kind of bit of background music and a bit of uh, what was the one that you kept listening to matt on that drive on the road again on the road, on the again. road again dun 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 well that's what leads me on to today's podcast it's quite a chilled out vibe your first day back as we said and we've kind of not really got loads and loads of structure. What we have got is many, many questions from our fantastic Facebook group. I want to give me five reasons off the bat why I love our Facebook group, people. It's, it's free. There's lots of amazing people. We're getting really close to 100,000 people in the group. You get more connected to me and Guy. Guy. <laughs> and if you do a really good post, Guy approves your post and it gets in there and you get loads of likes and comments. You can blag your way out of any situation, can't you? That's one of your skill sets. Thanks. That was on the cuff and you just nailed out five reasons. <laughs> um, one thing, are we going to go into the questions now? No, we'll, we'll wait to save that. Because I didn't watch a great deal of golf last night, but I no. think we should touch on it very quickly. Because I actually watched the most important three holes of the whole tournament. As did I. The playoff. 
Yes. Matt Fitzpatrick versus Jordan Spieth at the Harbour Town Tournament, uh, which is, by the way, that looks like a hell of a golf course. Yes, it does. Like That would be definitely one I'd love to play at and film at. Um, hint, hint, Harbour Town. I think we did get invited, but we couldn't quite it, make you, it work. You did. It was, well, you were busy this weekend with other, other plans, but yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um, but I must admit, I, I, one thing, I, I do love the excitement of a playoff yeah. sometimes. <clears throat> I love the excitement when players are trying to get in the playoff or if a player, because you can, two golfers can go into a playoff with very different mindsets because one of them might have played their way into the playoff. Correct. And some another player might have actually had a nightmare and got into the playoff that way. So that always fascinates me, the dynamic. Well, you could be leading the tournament from almost Thursday through to Sunday. You bogey 18, somebody birdies 18, you're currently level. You're going into that thinking, oh, I've just bogeyed to, to lose. They're thinking I just birdied to get into a playoff I never thought I was going to be in. Look at the momentum swing. It's crazy. So I watched the final three holes, Matt Fitzpatrick again versus Jordan Spieth. Arguably two of the greatest putters on the planet. Correct. Um, and it really did come down to a putting competition, even though they were both hitting it unbelievable off the tee. The yeah. par the par four they played the first playoff hole. Jordan Spieth had an unbelievable look at a birdie to win the tournament. He missed it. On the, they went back to the 17th hole, which is the par three. Under that much pressure, they both put their golf ball inside 10 feet. Yeah, and then the putt that Spieth <laughs> missed was just, I felt for him. It was just shy on speed. Yeah. Matt actually hit a bad putt there. It didn't quite yeah. read. He had a very similar putt in regulation play. And then when they went down to the third and final playoff hole, and that nine iron Matt hit into the last hole, where he nearly holed it, was fantastic. I like yeah. watching Fitzpatrick. I never massively used to, but I actually do now. I think he's got a lot of strengths to his game. His driving's ridiculous. Long. The one thing that I always feel like the commentators jinx him on, they always say, here he is, Matt Fitzpatrick, um, you know, one of the best putters on the planet, or the best mm -hmm. putter on the planet. I always feel like he misses when it, when the commentators <laughs> say that almost every single time. But I suppose they're probably doing it from like 30 feet or something. Well, that's it. And even, what was the stat? Even Torpro's hole, is it four out of every 10? Yeah, 10, 10 foot feet. Puts. Do you think, statistically, he's going to miss it over yeah. in it if you're watching him? And then what was really, I thought what was really cool as well, the putt he hold in the first playoff hole, which was like a six foot par yeah, putt, he just drained one. it. There's two things I did notice, which shocked me. Number one, the USA fans chanting so much for Jordan Spieth and, and for Jordan Spieth winning mm. over Matt Fitzpatrick. Wow, that's surprising. I don't know. Maybe I've not encountered that much at a tournament myself. You mean having a clear favourite? Yeah. Like, I feel like if it was, let's say, the Open Championship and those two players are in a playoff to win the Open, I would feel, and again, you might correct, I don't feel like the, the, the audience, the crowd, would particularly favour Matt Fitzpatrick just because he's British. Maybe. Is it is it more that... Is it more of... It is that, but is it also more of what that player means? Them? So, for example, Rory would get the crowd over Spieth wouldn't he? Yeah. In, 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 in Europe. Is it because, although obviously Fitzpatrick now has won a US Open, he's a legitimate golfer. Is it that Spieth just, people have known him for longer, he feels more like a household name, they might feel more connected to him, as opposed to the fact that he's American? Possibly. It just, it really surprised me, it's kind of the, the jeers and chants towards the negativity of Matt Fitzpatrick, 
Like there was quite when he hit a shot, there was kind of like booze and like there was even when he missed the put on seventeen, there was lots of cheering going on and and like it just shocked me. I only watched the highlights this morning on YouTube, so I didn't actually oh, see all that. It, watching it live, like Matt Fitzpatrick missed a bird, his birdie put on seventeen, which is like again a nine foot put to to make birdie, and he missed, and the crowd went crazy. They were like chanting USA. USA and, and Matt Fitzpatrick had a little two foot put return put and you can actually see Jordan Spieth in the background saying to the crowd like wow. quieting down like chill out yeah. like it, it was just I've not experienced it in person at a golf event um where that's happened and maybe just seen it on TV whether the, the, the volume was turned up especially in certain areas essentially it just seemed th- and again I get it the event is in America their boy, Jordan Spieth, in the playoff against an English lad. I get it. But I just don't think I'd ever seen it as visibly. Now, it's late in the day. I'm sure quite a few beverages have been consumed. Yeah. Um, but I feel like at the open, even if that had happened, is it the fact that the UK or the British are not as patriotic? Have we not got a cool chant? It's not like <laughs> it's not like we can go, UK, UK, is it? It's start it. You know, I don't know. It just, yeah, it, it definitely, definitely. And... The other time I'd seen it, and I'm going to come on to something quite interesting here in a moment. The only other time that it was highlighted to me, it was when, again, Matt Fitzpatrick was um, doing really well at the US Open when he won it last year. Mm-hmm. And the Netflix documentary, yeah. in that, because again, that was filtered a bit more live, you could hear the cheering when when a non-American player missed. Yeah. So Matt Fitzpatrick missed the putt. You could hear loud cheering celebrating the fact he missed the putt. Mm, yeah, I'm not a fan of that, really. It just seemed weird. What was what was interesting, though, so I was literally watching it last night at, um, on my phone, just watching the last few holes, and my wife said, oh, what's going on? I didn't know there was a golf tournament on. Golf tournament every weekend, <laughs> love. But um, she said, and she looked at my phone, she went, oh, is that, uh, that's, um, she went, don't tell me, don't tell me, Matt Fitzpatrick. Really? I said, how do you know that? She went, from Netflix show, from the full swing that I watched with you. Wow. And I was like, wow. I said, who's the other fella? She went, I have seen him. She called him Justin Spieth. <laughs> but. Close enough. That's what I mean. Close enough. But do you remember that full swing episode? It did have Justin Thomas yes, and Jordan Spieth in as well. Both J's. Got both J's. What was interesting though there, I don't believe genuinely my wife would have. And she said, oh, he had that really cute family. And, the, and what about is his brother there and his mum and dad? I'm like, wow. So it's hard for us in golf to kind of, fathom that the fact of how much maybe influence that full swing documentary has had but definitely it educated certainly my wife who's a, who's a, an active non-golf she actively pushes away from golf consuming it yeah <laughs> because i'm so invested in it in the fact that she knew someone on tv a bit of story a bit of background she even mentioned he's from sheffield like it was quite i thought it was really interesting you know something that i'm gonna get off my chest now that i'm not proud about i'm not happy about um, but I need to bring it to the table. I feel like, and you know this, I am one of Tiger Woods' biggest fans. Grew up idolizing Tiger Woods, still do idolize Tiger Woods. And obviously at the Masters, he had to withdraw. Was it after, I can't remember, it was after the Friday. So he made the cut. And then he did. He, he withdrew on the Sunday. So did he play the Saturday? I can't quite Yeah, remember because now. the cut wasn't quite finished. He did nine holes on the Saturday. Right, and we, but he didn't play the actual third round, did he? No, he didn't right. He didn't play the final 27 holes. And my memory's terrible. I forgot a week later. But anyway, obviously I was sad to see him withdraw. 
And I was sad to see those, that footage of him really, really hobbling, that kind of almost iconic footage already where he could hardly even, even walk. I know you've said, obviously, from going and now playing Augusta that it is so much hillier than it looks on camera. And we hear a lot about how Tiger is actually fit enough to hit the golf ball, but not fit enough to walk the golf courses. So as I said, when he withdrew, I felt sad. But in the grand scheme of things, I wasn't that bothered. And it worries me because it's a double-edged sword. I'm worried and happy. I'm looking at the leaderboard from the event this weekend. Obviously, there's no Tiger Woods because he wasn't playing. You've got Fitzpatrick, you've got Speed, you've got Cantley, you've got Shoffley, Thigala, uh, Im. I won't read them all, but Scotty Scheffler, um, Sam Burns, G- uh, John Rahm, Fowler, Fleetwood, the list goes on. There's so many strong names now who are competitive and making each event competitive. I don't feel like a missing Tiger as much as I thought I made him. When I say missing that, I'm always preempting his retirement. Now, potentially, when that day does come where he actually retires from competitive golf, I will naturally feel gutted. Cry. Yeah, knowing that he's never going to come back. Because even now, there's that little hope that actually maybe this time I'll have a bit of time yeah. off and he'll come back and he actually will be able to win again and he, and he won't let the... I think, I think 2019 made that point very clear. Exactly. That never, he can still go out and win a Masters. Never write him off. But I do feel like I'm kind of, as time goes, maybe because it's so, it's quite a long journey. If, God forbid, in 2005, he broke his leg and never had to play golf again, that would have been such a shock. Because it's prolonged, it's gone on and on and on and on and on. I do feel myself getting, so, like we said last week, or the week, couple of weeks ago before the Masters, we hadn't even thought about the fact Tiger was playing. Do you, are you yeah. with me on this tour? Do, do, you, do you think then, when, when Tiger was so unbelievably dominant, that his pull, his power was almost equivalent to, to 20, 30 other players where now, because you've not got that one central person, you are starting to see a much broader amount of golfers that are getting, getting seen more in the spotlight. Possibly. Yeah. I I love two things in sport and they're both quite contrasting. I love it when you've either got one person who's unbelievably dominant, like Tiger was, I just love watching greats, you know, when it, wherever it be, Ronnie O'Sullivan or whatever it might be. But there's also something really exciting when you've got a handful of players who are, you, you almost can't pick who's the best. Obviously in tennis you had Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, three amazing athletes. In football you've obviously had Messi and Ronaldo, both got great arguments between the GOAT. In golf now, you know, we are sadly moving out of that target era and I'll never write him off because he might come back and win the Open or something. It wouldn't put it past him or a Liverpool. But we're getting this era now. We've got Rahm, Scheffler, McElroy, a massive list of other players kind of un- underneath that who any week could win. I think golf is in such a strong place. Yeah, I totally agree. But I feel guilty for not being more missing Tiger. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It's like, uh, yeah, no, I, I kind of get that. You, you feel that for many, many years <clears throat> that the book almost ends at him, that if he if he goes, we were almost worried is actually golf tournament professional golf could they even survive without yeah. Tiger. <clears throat> so I, I can understand there's a, there's a, a part of you and part of me and probably part of a lot of people listening, and I understand that everybody listening is not a huge Tiger Woods fan. I get that, but kind of when you think about his influence on the game and what he's done, you think well, no one can ever match that, and they probably never will do. But the g- game of golf, professional golf, is in really strong hands right now. Um, and it probably, I know there's a live event again coming up this week, isn't there in Adelaide? It again, probably goes back to this point. Are we, 
the Masters was so brilliant again because you had all of these really well-known players. Well, two things I want to come on to. I want to come on to Rory in a moment as well and his performance. But I actually, and I'm not going to say I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually was surprised, maybe I should say, at how much I was rooting for live players at the Masters. And as I've kind of made it quite clear, if you listen to this podcast for more than one or two episodes, you'll know that we've had very underwhelming feelings on live. And that's, that's not, these were underwhelming because I'm not necessarily against it per se. I've just not been massively excited by the product yet. Maybe that'll change in time. But the fact that a number of their players did well, obviously Brooks Kepka fell away. Phil Mickelson did really well. Cameron Smith was kind of decent. It proves they have got some great, great golfers. And that almost to some degree made me actually look at live a little bit different and think actually, yeah, a lot of these guys aren't past it. They are still super competitive maybe Liv is a better product than I'd give it credit for. Maybe I should keep a closer eye on it. Do you think? Yeah. I think, again, going back to your point, I think we've, we've had a fairly neutral and balanced, balanced opinion um, from, from all different walks of, of tour life. You know, the PJ Tour isn't a perfect product, but it's got a lot of strengths. Live Golf isn't a perfect product, but it's got some strengths. Um, it, Yes, I think this year, I think where it would get more interesting down the line, do these guys, because you talk about the, the you, you know, Phil Mickelson. I mean, that was a real anomaly. 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 All right. Anomaly. <laughs> In the fact that he performed so incredibly well, considering he was so out of form. Mm-hmm. You know, now he's he's won there. Is it three times he's won at uh, August? Or three green jackets, I think. You know, he's obviously knows how to play at the golf course. And I think if there's any any golf course that, that these past champions have a, you know, a chance of winning again, as Tiger proved that, it is going to be at Augusta National. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It, it feels like, yes, maybe this year they were still competitive. Will that happen next year? Will it happen the year after that? When they start to have less chance of competing with the best players in the world? Because... You know, let's say Brooks Capcom, obviously with the finish that he had, it will guarantee him for a number of majors for a long time. And obviously he's a past major winner, et cetera. Yep. What happens when these exemptions start to run out and, and you know, these guys don't get into the Masters all the time? Um, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. Well, for example, I think you get... So like, let's say Kevin Nah. Right. Now, Kevin Nah pulled out yep. for, from injury. I can't understand, will he be exempt next year for so, all of the Masters? From the majors, I can't imagine it no, will so be. So I did a bit of research in this. I'll get some of this wrong inevitably, so people might feel free to comment. But there's obviously several ways to get into the Masters. So if you win, obviously you're in for life. If you win a major championship, you're in for the next five years. If you win the Open today, you're in the next five Masters. If you're top 50 in the world the year end, you're in. If you're top 50 in the world the week before the Masters, you're in. Certain things as well, this is more PJ Tour focused, but if you come in the um, FedEx certain positions or whatever, you get into the FedEx playoffs, you're in, et cetera, et cetera. Amateur champions get in. Amateur champion gets in, um, mid-amateur gets in, um, several US amateur, et cetera. But for the professional game, so for example, Brooks Kepka would have got five years. His last major was 2019, I believe, so he'll get five years. I believe he finished top 12 as well, you get in the next year. So for example, Patrick Reed would get in anyway because obviously he's won the Masters. But off forget he's got a green jacket just for a moment, he would get in off his tied fourth finish. Uh, Joaquin Neiman came tied 16th, so I actually don't know, unless it's world ranking, how 
he will get in next year. It's unlikely he's going to be in the top 50. Unless well, he does, I don't, I don't know what he is. good at another well, major. Well, that's the thing. So it depends on where he is in the world rankings now. We'll have a quick look. But basically, it will get harder for them to get in. It's tw- uh, what's his world ranking? And, and, and again, this is the point of why Live Golf is trying to push so heavily for world ranking points. Do you think they should get world ranking points now? He's 25, Walking uh, Neiman, so... You might well. I think it. I think because they've got such a high caliber of player, yes. It just it surely can't be as strong a world ranking points. The legit not legitimacy, that's the wrong word. But almost the the quality of the ranking point surely can't be as high as if you were playing in the PGA Tour event. Uh, and this is well, yeah, I'd agree. But this is also why though, looking at how well some of the guys did in the Masters proves that there are a, at least a generous handful of guys well, that's who are, it. so I had a good um, website then live players finishing the Masters um, so it showed the best finishes um, I've lost it now. Well, right, I had a lot of the guys highlighted on my app as well because just out of interest to see how they're getting on um, Find it. oh yeah I've got it so this is from Sports Illustrated obviously Brooks Kepka t- came tied second with Mickelson Patrick Reed was fourth. Joaquin yeah. Neiman was 16. Harold Varner, 29. These are tied. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Gooch, 34. Smith, 34. Answer, 39. Mito Piera, 43. Dustin Johnson, 48. Thomas Peters, 48. Charles Swartzel was 50. So I think one, two, three, four. About like 10 or 11 guys made the cut. Four, four missed the cut and two withdrew. So you've got there, you've got four guys finished top 20. In the Masters. There was 18 live players. Right. And how many did you say made the I think cut? About 12, 11 or 12. Yeah. And then two withdrew. Louis Hazen, Kevin Nahr, and then Watson, Garcia, Cameron Champ, Bryson DeChampo all yeah. missed the cut. It's interesting. I think it's... We've, we've positioned this sometimes that it can be quite bad for golf. There's too much going on. The tours are divided. But ultimately, it's, it, it's kind of somewhat ish prove that there's some players on live who are worthy of winning majors still and it'll be very interesting if one of them does win a major this year but, but for example let's say Harold Varner he's come tied 29th or, or Joachim Neiman tied, tied 16th he's not going to be in the world top, top 50 you can't imagine well, he's top 25 now oh yeah so if he does well in the open if he does well in it, he yeah, might so keep his points it's, it's, it goes back to the other point how much it's elevated the majors it has. Like the majors I mean, are so bloody important now. Well, it will also, I mean, obviously players would play for every shot. They want to finish up as high the leaderboard as possible, even if they're not going to win. But even probably more so now, these guys want every single world ranking point they can get. They're going to want to finish as high as they possibly can. Slight side note then on this. We had this discussion a couple of weeks ago briefly. Hand on heart now, will Rory ever win the Masters and therefore win the career Grand Slam? Yes. I'm in the camp of no. And that's not for the want of wanting. <laughs> I just think... And, I kind of said, and I'm sure he's the same. No, I just think, you look at it realistically, there's no reason why. He's, he's arguably, again, the best player in the world, top three, no questions asked. I just feel like we almost think, and even Tiger said it, he will win it. And obviously Tiger knows much more than I'll ever know about golf and Rory McIlroy. But he can't go around and say he won't win it. Well, of course. 
well, you think to yourself, you're not guaranteed just because you have how successful you've been and how good you actually are. You've, like we said this last time we talked about it on the podcast, but not only has he got to play amazing, he's got to beat somebody else who will also play amazing. So he didn't even make the cut. What did he end up? Was he, did he shoot? Was it five over the two rounds yeah, or something? He didn't, he, yeah, he didn't. I mean, he's so far away off the performance of John Rouse. It's not even like he's got to just play okay on there. He's got to beat the best players in the world playing the best. And I just think that week for him, surely, as level-headed, as as calm as he is as a golfer, hence why he's got to where he's got in the game, the amount of pressure every time on his shoulders, I don't know. I really don't think he's going to. I love him too. I'm going to have a very quick look at... So he's... um, What am I looking at here? I want to find out how many times he's played in it. All right, I think I've got it here. So he's played in it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve times he's played in it. Right. No, no, it must be more than that. His first one was 2009. He's Sorry, played 12, everyone since. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 16, because there wasn't one in 2000. And I don't know there was. Anyway, um, <clears throat> his highest finish. I think second a second last year yep he's come top 10 three times he's had a, he's had a fourth place I oh, know he's had a fourth place a tied fifth and a tied fifth so he's, he's come top 10 uh, four times oh it's just more than that seven he had 2014 he came tied eighth then the following year fourth oh, yeah, then sorry. ten then seven then five then five so he's had seven <clears throat> yeah he he was on, to be honest, he was actually on a pretty good trend there, wasn't he? Mm. From 2014 all the way to like kind of 2020. And then he missed the cut in 2021. Then he came back. Oh, okay. I think he's going to win it next year. <laughs> looking, looking at what he's done, right? He seems to have good year, bad year, or good year, not so great. Good mm. year, not so great. So in 2018, he had tied fifth. Good year. Yeah. 2019, tied 22nd, 21st for him. Yeah, not a good not, year. Not brilliant. 2020, good year. Yeah, tied fifth. 2021, <clears throat> bad year. 2022, Second. very good year. 2023, bad year. 2024, Rory McIlroy wins the Masters. I'd like to see it. Uh, that's it. Well, I've just worked it out. Yeah, well, yeah. Done. You've never been wrong before, so no, no point starting now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a tale as old as time. And until he actually does win that, people will have arguments for and arguments against. I just think that it's... If you ask me he's going to win another major again, I'd say I wholeheartedly think he will win another major because he's got four chances every year. We're talking about one individual major here, aren't we, each year? Got to be an amazing field. The pressure that would be on his shoulders, I don't know, but I'd love to see it. I'd love to see somebody um, become a career Grand Slam champion. The one thing, again... Slight drop after now playing August National, you, you do have to be an incredible putter. Mm. Like, you really do. It's the one thing you have to be obviously great off the tee because it's long and tight, but your putting just has to be phenomenal. And it's no huge secret that's not his strength in his game, is it? It can be very off. It can be, scree- it can be streaky. It can. So, I suppose that goes to these kind of finishes. If it's on, it's on. If it's off, it's off. So, that's what they always say. <laughs> so there, there's your little uh, so I'm sure what's uh, Lou um, the stat guy Stagner. Stagner Stagner he's probably rolling his eyes now and going bloody hell like I've got all these stats around 
what he's going to do. And we're just going, if he's on, he's on. If he's off, he's off. Simple as that. I'm Don't over I'm looking at it. Wikipedia and trying to work out some pattern that he's, <laughs> that he's gone bad year, good year, bad year, good year. Next year, Roy McRoy wins the Masters by three. Wow. Will you be there? Hopefully. Nice. We'll find out. <laughs> um, so we've had, as I said at the start, we've had a a number of, of great questions from the Facebook group. We are also always open to emails. So if you want to email Rick, do it. It's podcast at rickshields.com. You like reading them, don't you? Yep. Yep. You get past the best ones. I read, I read everyone. No, we do. We, annoyingly, I think because we read the email address out all the time, we get so many spam emails. I don't mean off people that obviously watch actual like, pure boss. spam. And I also start to wonder, um, in fact, I won't say that because that might give people ideas of what I was going to say. But yeah, we get a lot of spam. So it's, uh, but we always try and read the actual emails as well. So if you want to email us, get some in for next week and we'll sit down. <laughs> I actually and, think I know what you're about to say there, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Stuart McDonald, again, on Facebook has said, did Rick buy the two ball blade putter from Golf Bidder? Lol. So just briefly before you answer that, we would like to thank everybody for their support in the recent Golf Bidder video. It has banged. Yes, I won't give away the result just in case nobody has watched it. Nobody has. People have watched it. <laughs> 700,000 people. Just in case there's 800,000 now, I think. If, in case somebody hasn't watched it, I won't give away the result. But it was an absolute epic match. Yeah. It was fun being out on the golf course with Pete again. We did the Golf Bidder Challenge, £500. We went to Golf Bidder, bought golf clubs for £500, second-hand golf clubs. Definitely check out Golf Bidder, wonderful site. And you can sell your old golf clubs if you want to get rid of some. They're hanging around the garage or whatever, and you can get some, upgrade them for some new second-hand golf clubs and even brand-new golf clubs they sell as well. <clears throat> Every time I've done the challenge, I've pretty much walked away buying <laughs> either the full set of clubs that I actually had that, that time, like legitimately buying it, or buying parts of the set. Mm. This time, yes, I walked away with two. <laughs> in fact, I, walk, I walked away with two putters and three drivers. Wow. Just what you need. Just what I need. <laughs> so, yes, I picked up, I bought the two, boy, two ball blade that I've used in the video because I putted quite well. Um, I've, I've used that. Whether I'll ever use it again, who knows? Probably but, not. I've still not quite decided whether I've retired my golf clubs yet. I don't think you should. From This is from the trip to Augusta. I think footwear, potentially. If you've still got yeah. the ball. I've got the ball. I've got the scorecard. I've got my footwear. I think that's enough, personally. Because... What about a wedge? Like you, like you won an event. You've won the Open. I yeah, mean, shooting 82. <laughs> <laughs> I could do with a new 60 degree. Just a quick note. My brother was impressed with the 82. Thanks. He said that was a good score on Augusta. Thanks. <laughs> so he was off the Reds, though, but never mind. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Joking. Um, it was a good score. So, yeah, I might, I might retire the shoes. That, okay, I might not retire. Don't retire all. your driver. I, honestly. You're not allowed. I actually think the driver would want to retire itself because it's never been used Driver's as well. retire you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so two ball putter I got. I got this real, so it just come in stock at Golf Bidder when we were hanging around the HQ. This really cool blade, golden Scotty Cameron. It's interesting. I'll say that. It's interesting. I like it. Not really, but I don't blame you for buying it. It's got loads of Scotty Camerons now. So it's, it's the head cover caught my eye first. Yeah, the head cover's It's good. a really cool head cover and it's a gold, gold putter. And the thing that also, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, I pick putters from their grip. Controversial. 
I'll pick a putter because I like the grip more than I like the head and the feel and things like that. It's easy not to. This putter had a claw grip, a grip that is designed for the claw putting grip. (laughs) 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 Yeah, you need a medical exemption just to use it. Um, But yeah, so it's never going to see the light of day, but I bought that. Then while I was in the HQ, there's a couple of drivers in the last 10 years that have gone walkabouts. Look at me. Um, one of the most famous drivers ever made by TaylorMade, the original TaylorMade M2. Yeah. For whatever reason, I don't own one of them anymore. I do now. Is that what Rose is using at the minute? It's yeah. Like that. yeah. It's one of the best TaylorMade drivers I've ever made. I bought an M2 because yeah. I can't seem to find mine. I'll probably give it to a pal or one of these rascals. Where's, your new, where's this it. new one? New what? Where's the, where's the current M2 that you've bought? What do you mean? I bet you've lost this already, haven't where you? Where is it? Yeah. I don't know where it is. <laughs> so you've bought a new one, you don't know where that is. It'll be somewhere. <laughs> so you've bought an M2 because you've lost an M2. <laughs> and the new M2, you don't know where that is either. I'll find it somewhere. <laughs> <clears throat> then I bought the the first ever adjustable tailor-made driver, which was called the... The R7 Quad, wasn't it? Yeah, R7 Quad. And then there's one... Oh, I bought... <clears throat> the other thing I bought, so again, I've not got one of these, but this was almost before my time of making videos and doing uh, YouTube reviews, the original tailor-made burner. Yeah. Like the original burner. The orange burner. one. Uh, no, that's, sorry, that's too original. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever said that sentence in life. <laughs> that was the original original. <laughs> no, like the, the black and red one. Oh, okay, yeah. Like the, 2000 the, the re- 2007 or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got those three drivers too. Do you think there's anything in the world, it's only in our worlds or where we live, that can take you back to a time as much as a golf club? Because I'd beg to, I don't think there is. I love old golf clubs. I went to the shot golf. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Love them. Looking at golf clubs. And there's a 980F Titleist Furway Wood 15 degree, which I used to own. And there's something I don't want to buy. It's 20, it's 35, 40 quid or whatever. A little piece of me was tempted to, even though I knew I'd just put it in the loft. But like if I went to a shop and they had an iPhone 5S, for example, I had that phone and used it and scrolled many a mile on that phone. But I don't want it. I don't no. want to buy one and keep it because it just it was just a phone. And like it was almost what was on the screen was important, not the actual physical phone. Yeah. Golf clubs, though, I absolutely adore old golf clubs. I mem- This is a lovely memory between you and me, this guy. I remember a time... Did we hold hands? I don't, I think we, I think we cried. <laughs> we went, I can't actually remember the location, but we went to a golf show. Was it the Scottish golf show? We have been. To many, Scotland. many years ago. And they had all this latest and greatest equipment oh, there and everyone was hitting shots and it had the new ping driver, tailmade, tightless, blah, blah, blah. And there was a little shop on site at the Scottish golf show. I can't quite remember the, the name of the shop. And again, you can go in there and you could buy all of these brand new drivers, et cetera, yep. et cetera. But just hidden around the corner, do you remember it now? I do. I do. There was floor to ceiling rack and quite wide rack of old golf clubs. I'm not going to make a joke. I was going to make it then, but carry on. An old pair of rack. An just old a rack. Big, big, massive rack. <laughs> well, forget that. Well, it's in there now. <laughs> and it was full, full. Oh, it's of gems it was phenomenal a mean guy literally was there we, we could have been anywhere in that golf show seeing all this new stuff and we sat there stood there for probably close to an hour pulling putters out going god do you remember this yeah. oh my god like look at this now and we're passing it to each other and you pull another one out and it really it's probably why i love a couple of, well why i love going to golf bidder you yes. know, you don't, you don't really find the really old stuff there anymore. No. They kind of keep it to a certain date range that's but, still quite but, current. But, well, also, it's more as time goes on. So what's now eight years old doesn't feel... We've seen it yeah. in this... Do you get what I mean? It doesn't take us back to our youth exactly. as much. Um, I love going there. It's why one of the main reasons why I absolutely love Stack Golf. Yeah. And why I loved doing that video with them. Yeah. Because again, you're going into these shops and it's just like every club you pick up has a story. So those people who don't know, Stack Golf is a YouTube channel in America, husband and wife, John and Ashley, who go to secondhand shops and buy secondhand golf clubs. And Rick did a great video collaborating with them. And we went round to all these secondhand golf clubs and charity shops and you, and you, it's certainly in America, it seems so like they've got so many golf clubs and you, I was pulling them out the rack and going, wow, look at this, look at the story. Um, and then also why I love these little kind of hidden gems. Do you remember, I'm trying to think of golf shops that we've been to. Well, the, ob- the obvious one is, um, oh, dumb, uh, Octoloni's second hand. But yeah, you get it often in the golf shop. You get a little hidden section in the corner. You get maybe a tour bag full and there's like an old three wood of the Pro 4 shaft in it. But I think the big thing for me that, I, and it, this sounds a silly thing to say now, but it, it, this is what I love. When I was a junior, so 13, 14, up to probably 16, 
mum and dad were very, I was very fortunate they paid for me to be a member of the golf club and, you know, I, I had access to, to equipment and stuff. You know, I was, I was very fortunate. But equally, I wouldn't get stuff at the drop of a hat. If I wanted a golf club, I'd probably get it, but it'd be on my birthday or it'd be at Christmas or I'd save up as well or whatever it would look like. And I remember wanting a two-ball blade for ages. And at the time, it was 149 quid. And it was it must have been a time where it was near, not my birthday or Christmas, probably more like in the summertime or whatever. I didn't get one for a long time. Rightly so, I didn't deserve to just get given a putter. And when I did eventually get one, I can't remember how I got it, but I did get one eventually. Owning it felt so special. And, and now, obviously, I'm very fortunate that I obviously get clubs to work or can buy golf clubs a lot easier, as, as most adults, you know, maybe a bit easier than you could when you're a junior with no money, obviously. Nothing compares. If I get a golf club now, it's nice and it's great and it's shiny. It comes nowhere near that as a child. Of course. And I think that's now when I see a two ball blade putter, which ironically is what you used in the, in the golf bit of challenge. It's not that I want that putter because the technology's better. It's old. It's, you know, it's better that it's moved on, albeit not a great deal, but it's moved on. It's that you want to, you almost want to replicate that feeling yeah. and take you back to that time. There was, um, the other, the other time I remember, and I, I seem to re- kind of vividly remember these moments in time, whether it was at the golf show, whether it's going down to golf, but whether it's going to what's alone is second hand. The other really amazing place, I'm not sure if we actually spoke about it on the podcast, when we went down to London in the new year, we went to, it was it Urban Golf? Yes. And that, and they had- We did the, talk about it. And they had that kind of like room in the that back. That was insane. That was full. I mean, the owner there, his name has just passed me actually. Um, oh my God. And annoying. in this back room, he, he was kind of a, quite a fiddler with golf clubs and he would, he would, he would reshaft them and change the loft and do all these alterations. And in the back, he had this rack, James. He had this rack of pristine, pristine golf clubs dating back to 40 years, 30 years, 20 years. And and this rack and every club, it was just like, oh my God, do you remember this? Do you remember that? Well, that's what it is. Because if I saw a golf club that was 10 years before I started playing golf, so if it launched in 1986... I think it was quite cool and I'd, I'd appreciate looking at it and feeling it and seeing what it was like, but I've got no affinity to it. No. If you show me a club from 2007, 8, 2004, whatever it might be, when I was really loving golf, it, it's special. Do you think golf clubs should have log books? <laughs> One careful owner. I, I imagine the stories some of these golf clubs could tell. Yeah. Like imagine when you buy a new golf club, you get a little log book, and you start things off and you put your name and who you are and what handicap you're off and maybe where you play golf. And then if you go to a special golf course, you write that golf course down in this little log book and you just keep all this little tab of everything. You know where it stays, the log book? He gets rolled up and kept inside the shaft and the grip yeah. goes on top. And then after it's been 50 years old, you can take it off. I mean, it could all be done QR code and all yeah, that that's now. that's special. But like, imagine now you buy a golf club because they could be... Let's say there was 10 of those two ball blades on a shelf. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those putters has a different story. Yeah. It's been owned by different people. It's been owned, it's played different golf courses. Like it might've been passed down from, from a dad to a son to an uncle and then sold. And then like, I love it, but you never know now, do you? Like you don't know where the wear of that grip has come from. It reminds from. me of like Toy Story when the toys come alive, come alive at night. Yeah, and they tell the story yeah. of what they've been, <laughs> who they've been to. No, I agree. I think, um, as you can tell, we are both 
very uh, much in love with second-hand golf clubs, certainly from the era 1997 to 2007. Like you say, it's not the technology. No. It's just the... I just think they made them better back then. I remember <laughs> the Duke. Well, it, it was just... I think as well back at the time, there was not really as much access to the internet as well. So when brands came up with these huge claims, we'd kind of believe them a lot more. And even to the point where now we're so lucky, but if you... If you um, hear about a new tailor-made driver, you Google it, you can watch and see it within minutes. Back then, it was like, I remember and a friend would be like, oh, I was in the pro shop on Saturday and the tailor-made rep came with a new driver. It's now up till April or whatever. And I was like, oh, was it like, what? I, well, I didn't, couldn't take a picture, no. camera phones, no. nothing. It was like, I had to wait till you then sort of today's golfer or golf month or whatever, months later. And it was it was just exciting. And you'd even see things in the pro shop that might come in from America and somehow made its way to England. Whereas now so many more of the releases are just not like the same across Europe and America, different yeah. in Japan, admittedly. But yeah, we could talk about golf clubs. I, I feel like personally, I'm very pleased and happy that I grew up and played golf in the era that we played golf. But do you think, I, I, I agree, but do you think if you started golf today, don't you wouldn't know. know any different? I don't know. I don't think you would. I think you'd still, you're always going to look back at your own era. Possibly. It's like my dad always thinks George Best was the best footballer ever or Pele, or whatever. Whereas people now want to go and say, it's Ronaldo, it's Messi. Well, you were just talking just pre-podcast that you went and saw, went to the Traffic Centre and saw that Seve book. Yes. And you, you were going to like, kind of buy it. Because again, we missed the Seve we era. completely. Obviously, David Cannon did that wonderful book of, of Seve. Um, but it feels like we missed that era. Yeah, you're probably right. But, you, you do, you feel like the era that you live in is probably the, the best era. Well, and, and also what you miss with somebody like Seve is you hear about his, 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 his wins. That goes out saying... And you can look at that on stats and go, unbelievably impressive. Clearly, he's a legend. But so much about Seve was his, his charisma and yeah. how he played on the golf course. And obviously, there's some level of footage on that. But you, unless you were in that moment, you can't really understand it, can you? No, unless you were there maybe at a live event and you saw yeah. you saw an interaction with him or you saw how he treated the fans. or It's somewhat, well, somewhat in, a, in a strange way. Like Tiger, you could look at Tiger's his record books and go, dominance. But even more so, when you watched him and how he was so on the golf courses, the look in his eyes and the fear in his competitors, you almost can't tell that unless you were watching it at the time. Ah, oh, Richard, this is a... Proper walk down memory Yeah, it is. Right, anyway, a couple more questions. So Alex Jones... Let's just have a chipping comp. I'd love to. Let, chipping let's... comp. Winner, winner has to buy... Sorry, loser buys the winner... Bottle of Coke, some chips. Cheesy chips. Cheesy chips. Coke, and then we, and then cordial. We play, then we play pool Yeah, for as long as we can possibly play pool before we get picked up by our mums. Well, the issue is you're on the right lines there. My mum is going to come at three o'clock. <laughs> I want to push her back to four o'clock. I've got no credit on my phone to let her know I'm going to be late. Oh. So I have to go in the golf club. I've ask, asked to borrow the pro shop phone. Correct. And also I might say, can I get a box of Titleist Special 90s off my account, please, Paul? <laughs> that guy got seven quid, they're a tenner. I'll, I'll fill the fridge up for three quid. Done. <laughs> Done deal. How many twos have I got? Yeah. Have we got any twos in they're the not, They've not been paid yet. I've got a two on Saturday. They'll come in next Wednesday. Oh. You know what's really funny? I think I think unless you literally grew up in England in our era, you wouldn't have a clue what the hell we're talking about I right still, now. I still remember the days when metal spikes transitioned to uh, plastic spikes. And that was a big thing. You still hear some golfers come to golf with some metal spikes and you're not allowed to play with the metal spikes. It's going to get the Why were you shoes. not allowed to? No, they stopped. Was that not because of foot and... Mouth disease. I think it was because they were too aggressive. Was it, what the was it actually called? Mad cow disease. It was a mad cow disease. But I that, that was why. That wasn't why he couldn't wear metal spikes. I remember when I went to the Isle of Man, and I think I might have told this story when my mum years ago. I think I was about twelve or thirteen, 
and golf courses. It was at a time where golf courses and mad, mad cow disease. How mad is it? Did you have to walk through it like was called, a, Yeah, like a, a trough. Yeah. How mad is it that we had a disease called mad cow disease? Yeah. And like they were really on about your yeah. cleaning because we were foreigners because we'd come from the mainland over to Isle of Man. Isle of Arran, sorry, it was Isle of Arran. Uh, they were really like on us to make sure our shoes were clean. Yeah, well, there you go. Were you metal spike or plastic? <laughs> metal. When I first started, metal. And then I remember when you could switch them to Black Widows. Yeah, Black Widows were really good. Scorpions as well, the extra spike in the middle. We could, we could go on all day. Um, so, <laughs> Alex Jones, and I want your honest answer here. Mad cow disease, sorry. Just <laughs> <laughs> Mad cow disease. Mad cow disease. But was that foot and mouth or was that a different one? Foot and mouth was human. Mad cow disease just affected cows and cattle. But it's called mad cow disease. <laughs> I like it when you get like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like bemused by something, that's even the word. But what um, would be funny in, in 20 years we're going, they had, they had COVID, yeah. COVID-19. I mean, that actually feels like a distant memory. Thankfully. Luckily, touch wood. So Alex Jones has said, and I want your honest answer here, would Rick rather have played Augusta as he did or played the Marriott with Tiger Woods? Could I film Tiger, or is it the same? Can I not film it either? Neither's getting filmed. Oh, God. Is Tiger in good form on the day? Ability-wise or humour? Does he want to be there? Yeah, of course he does. Like he's enjoying himself. Playing with Rick Shields at Marriott Worthy Park. Are you insane? (laughs) Of course he wants to be there. Oh, God. I think, let me put my perception on it. You playing Augusta is insanely cool. And it's one of those things that 99.99999% of the golf world will never do. Never do. But if you said someone that you have played who knows who you are and what you do, they'd be like, impressed. Maybe not that surprised because, oh, well, I'm not, yeah, I could never play, but you, Rick, I'm, I'm not that surprised. But to say you've played with Tiger Woods for 18 holes, that's like, wow. Just me and him in a cart in a golf yeah. buggy. You and him in a cart. Is he having a few beers? He is, but he's having Bud Light. I can live with that. He's, he's wearing trainers, not golf shoes. Does he Does he burn it up? Shoes three under. Runs <sighs> about his back a bit, but he's fine. <sighs> you oh. shoot at 78. Does he follow me on Instagram afterwards? Well, here's the thing. He doesn't do, because his, his actual Instagram is run by his media team. Oh. But he does admit to he watches the odd video. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes me and Charlie sit down on a on a weekday night and we watch a few break seventy fives. That'd be it. That'd be it. That's all I'd need. Um, Mark Bailey's question, which I did. Go on. I wouldn't even have to play with Tiger if if the toss up was Tiger watches your channel or go know that Tiger watches your channel or go and play Augusta National. Know that Tiger watches the channel. Yeah, I wouldn't even have to play with him. Just know. He just knows. It, when I genuinely, when I walk, I had those pictures taken. He was walking outside of ten. He looked, he looked at me, and then properly looked at me again. Probably thinks I was that weirdo. He's probably thinking, why is that 37-year-old man holding <laughs> I love you, Tiger, sign? <laughs> That's probably what it was. That's probably what I Tiger! <laughs> Tiger! T? Um, okay, so Mark Bailey, we've kind of answered his question in a way. He says, were you surprised a number of live golfers performing well at the Masters? Um, I-, I was. Yeah. After the first round, again, I'd, I'd highlighted quite a lot of the uh, live guys just because keep an eye on it. 
a lot of the live players um, weren't particularly doing well first round and they yeah. definitely turned it around more made the cut than um, first predicted this next question I'm going to answer it Rick and if you feel you need to interject please do it's from Graham Murray and I guess I know he's talking about the match against Rick the golfer the match but he's not actually put it in but it's clearly against that. Pete so what did I say against Rick against Rick oh yeah well, you against you mentally and then you against <laughs> Pete physically um, he said um, <laughs> Rick don't fat this chip I won't Rick Rick please don't fat this chip Rick I've got your cover mate Rick don't fat it Rick fat it F off Rick <laughs> that's how it normally goes in your brain you're not far off. Um, so Graham has said, was it a commercial decision to have the full match on your channel rather than splitting it across both? The answer to Graham, so again, he's, he's meaning that sometimes back in the day, golf at a challenge would be split, nine hole on Rick's channel and nine hole on Pete's channel. The reason this year we've done it all on Rick's because we wanted... I told him I wouldn't do it unless it was all on my channel. Correct. Next question. Um, <laughs> it was because we felt, well, it's a nice piece of content to split, but what felt the easier, more understandable and almost digestible split was that the club selection is on Pete's channel, which goes live on a Monday. On the Friday, the full 18 holes go on Rick's channel like a movie. And that was for two reasons. Firstly, because we all we would debate in splitting the video into two, even on Rick's channel. YouTube's not the best at navigating you from one video to the next, really. It's not like Netflix where the next one just starts playing and it's easy. It's a bit wishy-washy. It's then a case of, would you leave it a few days? <clears throat> in which case, people might get annoyed. Um, we just felt it was easier that it was one video on Pete's, one on Rick's. We, we've, got, we've got stats to prove that splitting that type of content up can jeopardise the second part. Yeah. And we've got even stronger evidence to say that moving the second part onto another channel really jeopardizes yeah. the success of the video. So we just, we wanted it really clean, one long video. People are watching YouTube so much more on the TVs now, longer form content. We didn't want to make it short. We wanted to give you the full shebang, an hour, 50 minutes. Um, and we wanted it to be in one place where you could find it. And if you stopped and went out for a couple of days, came back to it, YouTube would remember where you're up to and you can start watching again. Correct. Um, Baz Walker, another question we kind of were almost in before, but we weren't quite, is said, uh, why don't you rate Titleist drivers? Neither have you have one in the bag. You always talk about TaylorMade, Callaway, Ping and Cobra. I would probably go as far as saying, I would even say Titleist would rank their drivers in their family of clubs that they make as their lower priority. Yeah. I would, I would, <clears throat> Titleist is a golf ball firm. Correct. Titleist started making golf balls. They then wanted to dive into the world of making hardware. <clears throat> but look at a lot of their hardware, their most successful hardware. They outsource it. Mm -hmm. Scotty Cameron's makes their putters. Bob Vokey makes their wedges. They make their irons, which are very good. They make the drivers, which to some degree aren't, phenomenal they used to be very very forward thinking they used to be very cutting edge and performance wise incredible over the last few iterations they've not underperformed but they're just not super amazingly special i i also think and <clears throat> we spoke about this quite a bit they're, they're consistently trying to um create these real pear-shaped drivers which actually sat behind the golf ball don't particularly infuse a great deal of confidence i know you've mentioned that before yeah. guy however there's no bad blood against Titleist drivers. We, we, I am going to review them. And I know we've talked about this a number of times, and this might be another question down the line. We are outrageously close now for the start of 
the review channel. Come on to that in two seconds then. Like it's getting really close and we might even launch it with the Titleist drivers. Correct. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. I think uh, when we were going back to when we were growing up, I had many Titleist drivers and one of my last ones would have been the 910 D3, which launched, I think, the back end of 2009 into 2010. Great drivers. They lost the way a bit. I think 919 that was a bit weak. And then it's actually a really good, not that we normally promote kind of other, well, not we normally promote brands content, uh, but to be fair, I don't. I think I said that to you, I don't know if you saw it or not. Oh, was it 917, the last one? Did they do a 919? I don't think they did. No, because... 917, sorry. Yeah. Was, yeah, 917 wasn't brilliant. It definitely lacked on ball speed. Then they had the TS, then the TSI, now the TSR. No, God, was that wrong again? TSR, TSI. They yeah. had TS, TSI... TSR. Right, yeah, that's had it right the first time then. And they've, they've got, yeah, so what I was saying was on YouTube, Titleist have got a little mini documentary about the Titleist kind of speed project of how they hold their hands up and admitted that 917 wasn't the fastest driver in the world. And then they created the TS and blah, blah, blah. And it's quite inspiring, actually. And it shows that they've kind of addressed something that wasn't brilliant and tried to make it better, which is fair play, kudos to them. But you, you said it then. They are very purr shape, even the more forgiving head shape, which is the normal D2. Um, for me, I'm not a huge fan. I love Titleist gear. So. The, the only ones we've not reviewed is the TSR. Which we, like you said. Soon we, to. Is that definitely the right order? I'm getting confused. There was TS, now. then TSI, then TSR. Right, yeah. Oh, I'm so, so confused. So we, we did TS. I, did, <laughs> I reviewed TS. Big difference between uh, 917 and TS. Then we did TSI. And then we, we've not yet done TSR. Um but yeah, launch of the new channel is coming soon. Um, well, let's just on that then. Let me get to the next question. Stuart Mitchell has said, update on the new review studio must be finished now, laughing face. It's, at, it's miles off. It's going to be months, maybe even years. Yeah, never. May as well delete it. <laughs> um, no, we, I know we've we've over-promised on this and slightly under-delivered at the moment well, in time we, as we're making this statement. Let's just give a little bit more background that we might not normally do, and I won't say too much here, but we, we announced the channel early because me and you get excited. Don't Set up we? a new channel. Next day, everyone launch, go. Albeit it was a fairly soft launch to talk about on the podcast. And maybe sometimes we say a bit too much on the podcast. And what I mean by that is not things that we don't want people to know, but maybe a bit too early before it's at a place where we should really announce it. But we are committed to the review channel. It's launching, as we said, soon. We've not got a date just yet, but we've got a rough date in our heads, which again, I won't commit to yet. We've also employed somebody who, again, I'm not going to say too much on this, but we'll be starting in a few weeks. Somebody that's going to be really good for the bit for the channel and, and help it grow. There's a lot that goes into these things, isn't it, that people don't see, which is fine. They don't need to see it. don't want them to see it necessarily. But it's not just as simple as pressing go and launching a new channel that's going to be good. And we don't want, again, without blowing our own trumpets, we don't want to commit to anything or put Rick's name to anything that's not as good as we think it can be. Yeah, it, it's slightly changed over the years of YouTube. One, from a point of view that 11 years ago, when I first started a YouTube channel, it was as simple as that. Yep. Put my name on YouTube, you hit upload, and you, well, you make a video, you hit upload, off you go. And and certainly a decade ago, it was very much accepted in the trend to be able to release test content. Mm-hmm. Like you didn't know how it was going to do. It wasn't, it wasn't always brilliant. Obviously, we've built a brand now. We've built a business where the main channel videos, and we, by the way, we've had so many incredible comments about the filming and the editing of the recent videos uh, again when i was in augusta a lot of people would, um, as i was moseying around at the masters would bump into me and that would be a real 
compliment of how well the videos are starting to, to do so kudos to the team here mm. uh, they, they're absolutely smashing it at the moment um and the um so so we have a very high standard we want to try and meet and, and hit and this new review channel is to review content weekly like release multiple videos a week and for us to be as streamlined as possible we've had to build a bespoke studio to allow us to do that that's not easy that's not quick that's not cheap <laughs> but it's all things that we we are we're building first and we build it we're putting these fantastic cameras in there so the quality of the videos are brilliant to give you guys listening watching the, love the content and hopefully you're going to love the new channel give you guys the best quality video that we can film we can edit we can release and we are aiming ambitious at the moment we're aiming to release three brand new reviews every single week yes that's the ambition and i think yeah and i think um it'll be great because we know that people want to watch more reviews and we know there's a lot of product we haven't reviewed yet so it's exciting i would be confident enough saying the very first video will drop in the month of may yeah i'd I'd, I'd agree i'd be pretty confident with that yeah nice um Kevin Hogg, got two more questions left, then we'll we'll wrap it up. Kevin Hogg has said, does Rick think that he plays better when he has a caddy? And if so, who would he pick as a caddy from his golfing friends? Um, hmm, it's a good question. I I would I would love a way of having a caddy that you could almost select as you're playing. And what I mean by that a lot of the time i tell you what i'll tell you where i'd love a caddy okay i'd love a caddy pre-shot and i'd love them to vanish before i hit the shot okay like a genie yeah so you stroke your head cover <clears throat> out comes darius yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've had a, i've had a few really good caddies recently like um oh doug who had at august national was brilliant the caddy had at Sawgrass. The caddy had at Sawgrass, Matt. That's going to annoy me. He was brilliant. Um, Nick. I, the guy had a bit like Nick. Nick had it at Sawgrass. Will Davidson was good on the video. Will Davidson. It's always good. I really do enjoy having caddies. Like it, I definitely think I play better golf. Even we did that video a couple of years ago with Steve Brotherhood. Yeah. Again, brilliant. Because I love the advice before i hit a shot i love the confidence in there telling you how far away it is what club you should hit that bit of dialogue before you hit a shot the one thing i don't like having a caddy for is when then you don't hit a good shot feel i feel a bit responsible and a bit guilty and a bit like they're judging me going yeah right i told you to do this this is why i'd love all the pre bit and i could not clip things that'd be Knock rude. him out like, <laughs> him on the next shot. stroke the head cover again and he vanishes blindfolding because i'm then i'm armed with all the information but i don't feel guilty if it a bad shot so tell you what then i suggest why don't we use a garmin an 82 rangefinder done deal everything you need deal <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because even i've had my my only ever holding one when I had a caddy, Matt Fryer was caddying for me. Wow. And my only ever holding one at West Lanks. Um, you know, I played pretty solid round Sawgrass, played pretty solid round 
Augusta. It's not always been the case because um, I had an absolute nightmare at Bay Hill when I had a caddy. But that's where, again, like I felt like I just wanted him not to be there because I was I was struggling. And when you're struggling with a caddy, it feels a bit like, oh. Yeah, it's an extra person you almost feel responsible for. You feel guilty because golf is such a solo sport where sometimes when you've got a caddy, it feels like a team sport. Imagine imagine being, um, so you think that's bad, which I understand. Imagine being like a, I know you're a, say. a DP World Tour player. And you're kind of, you're doing okay. So you're making a decent lifestyle, a lot of expenses. Your caddy is obviously making an okay lifestyle, but not brilliant. Hopefully, if you go on to do great things, you'll take them with you and you'll both flourish. And, you know, you get to the event and your caddy's like, oh, how's it going on? Oh, yeah, good. But oh, I've got a broken uh, broken wheel on my car. It's going to cost 600 quid that I could do without. And, oh, yeah, my wife's getting made redundant. It's a tough time. And then, you know, real life problems and mortgage rates going up, all this stuff. And then you go go out, you've got the, the lead after two rounds. Your caddy's thinking, I'm getting 10% of this. Life's good. And you go and shoot 82, 82. That's what I mean. And it's you make, responsibility, make 10 grand, they get 500 quid or something. Now that is pressure. It's stressful being a caddy. It must be nice. Like a when professional you're, yeah, caddy. But when you're at the elite, elite level, yeah. where you've got a great relationship, you're not going to get fired for a couple of bad rounds because you've, you've got, you know, you've built up a friendship and personal, professional friendship as well or whatever. To actually be a caddy at a, a lower level must be tough. I remember um, Steve Williams was the highest paid sports person in New yeah. Zealand for a long time because he was Tiger Woods' caddy. Um, yeah, so when it's good, it's good. But I must admit, I must. it must be very, very challenging when it's not going your way or the player's struggling. Brutal as well, four rounds, kind of massive back. Well, that's just the tournament rounds. Well, exactly, yeah. You've got the pro-am, you've got the practice rounds, you've got all standing Walking there. the course in the morning as well, in the dew. Even the job no of just standing there on the driving range while your player's shelling balls and, you, and you've and just stood there kind of... You can't just be on your phone, can you? You can't Throw just be scrolling. Throw a ball to put on the tee. I know, but... That's, I mean, it's hard. It's like standing all day and walking and... I think I think there should be a national caddy day. I bet there is one. I'm going to see when it is. <laughs> national not. caddy day. I reckon it is. National. It might be international caddy day. I'm going to go with that. So what, what Inter- do you expect happens on national caddy day? The roles are reversed. That'd be good. International caddy day. What do you reckon? I feel it's not going to be one. But you could start it. Feel free to use your platform to do so. At the moment, there is no... International Caddy Day. There you go. After your London Marathon, that's your next task. No. Today. 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 17th of April. It's going to be the 18th, isn't it? 18th of April. 18th of April is new National Caddy Day. International. International Caddy Day. I'm going to put it in my phone. Yearly reminder. What What do you do as a, as a mark of respect for the caddies? Um, Take your golf bag to work. Yeah. You tip them more. You tip all caddies more. You clean your own bloody golf clubs, okay? And you thank them. You thank them for their service, <laughs> for caddying duties worldwide. Very good. Uh, last and question. If you are a caddy and someone, congratulations for International Caddy Day. Congrats. But if someone in person does, email the podcast because yeah, okay. we want to hear your story. Or, yeah, okay. But last thing if you are a caddy and you've got a fantastic story like a really funny one you can stay anonymous but if there's, a, if there's an amazing caddy story email them to podcast at richshields.com and let's let's hear you can stay anonymous but let's hear the funniest stories from the world of caddy I love that um last question is from adam bridgman 
is a putter fitting less important than the rest of the bag? I had a two-hour fitting using Sam Putter Lab a few years back and ordered the recommended putter, but I just didn't like the way it looked and couldn't get any sort of distance control. Bought one that suited my eye better and put it so much better. Is the flat stick something much more personal, like a feel club? I think it is, yeah. I always think a putter almost chooses you. <laughs> Like, I Go love this idea, Harry yeah. Like, I remember you used to go into, like, a, a golf shop and there'd be a rack of putters and you'd have a little putting green. And I used to just mess about and you pick, you pick a putter up and if it, if you hold it, it went through to the next round. <laughs> if you miss, you put it back on your shelf. Okay. And you do that all the way around till you get down to the last two. And then whichever one wins that, that's the putter. That There's some truth in that. It shows it chose you. Because that means you must have held every single putt with that putter. And then you get to the golf course, it doesn't work. That's always the way. But... Keep it. Yeah, no, send I it to golf, but if you don't I like think, it. I um, think my brother had a fit in at Torex Golf with Lee Sullivan a couple of years ago, a few years ago now, actually. It was really good and it was really insightful. And it was, um, he ended up buying a putter that was recommended to him. And it was weird because the actual fitting, obviously, I never fitted for putters, but I fitted for other clubs, was first class. He couldn't fault the fitting. Did it massively improve his game? Not really. However, does he now know he's got the best tool for his game? Yes. So is that on him more potentially? It's not massively reinvented his game. I don't know. I think it's a weird one. I think any golfer, really, or lots of golfers, should I say, go into fittings maybe expecting too much and do expect that a golf club's going to suddenly change your game. I've only got one memory of your brother putting, and it was phenomenal. Eagle at the old course. Ninth hole. Yeah. So that's that's only memory. So if that's how he puts so all the time. Lee Sullivan. If that's how he puts all the time. That's how, that's all, the only memory, lasting memory I've got of your brother's putting. Yeah. I don't remember any other putting that he ever did. Hold, he held that eagle putt. Very good. That's a good putt. I think it, that's a good it, episode. It, it was a very good, I'm just going to ask one more, um, and I'll let you reiterate this because you're, you're very good at this, but we would love, um, if you've enjoyed this podcast, which if you listen to this point, I guess you must have done to some degree. Would you, would you agree? Or, or you're being forced You've been capped. You've been captured. I do do that occasionally, and and you've been forced to listen to this, and you got to this point in the podcast. Yeah, I got banned from Morrison's for that, and and your your ears are bleeding. Yeah, you've you've gouged your eyes out. Yeah, even though you only listen to. It. <laughs> you know what I've started doing though, putting podcasts on in one ear pod and then falling asleep and waking up at around like two in the morning with a podcast on. Imagine someone's put on an episode of Rick's Golf Show. They've put on episode one seven six. They're a few behind. They fall asleep. They wake up. It's one seven eight, and you're talking about mad cow disease. <laughs> but you'd be a bit like, is, "What's going on?" They would have already fallen asleep before I'd even read the episode number out. It's that bloody boring. <laughs> uh, but anyway the long long point of that was if you've enjoyed it and you're listening on Apple and you want to rate the podcast feel free to do so please do do so uh, this week amazingly the podcast was number five in the sports chart for the whole of sport in the UK so that just shows how good you guys are in the clubhouse and the ones that are on the way into the clubhouse that are on that journey that- I actually think it's a waiting list at the moment to get in the clubhouse how long? 26.2 miles. Nice. I don't actually know. But... Just that it's there. There's a queue. Yeah, there's a queue. 26.2 well, miles. It's orderly queue. queue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But Apart unless you're Holly and Phil. But nice nice modern reference. <laughs> 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 right, guys. It's all going a bit south. Thanks so much for listening, watching. Um, again, uh, thanks for your support with the London Marathon running this weekend. I'm going to do my best and I'm going to leave you with Kerry, who um, founded the It's Never You uh, charity. 
I'll leave you with some lasting words from him. And if you can donate, it'd be really appreciated. Wish me luck and uh, we'll see you next Monday. Good luck. My Thanks, name pal. is Kerry. In 2021, my six-year-old son, Hugh, sadly passed away from a rare form of cancer. With an abundance of courage, strength, resilience and humility, Hugh fought the cancer for 11 months. Shortly after Hugh's passing, my wife and I decided to use the immense grief and pain from losing our son and help those still in need and created the charity, It's Never You. The UK's first charity exclusively supporting the parents of children with cancer. We set out to be innovative and offer something different, something that we felt was not supported during our experience with Hugh. We created the first social media platform exclusively for parents called the Children's Cancer Platform. We have created a platform where parents can access advice on mental health, physical well-being and financial resources, all which they need along the journey of their child's treatment. We bring parents together to share their experiences and to support one another during their darkest times, from diagnosis through treatment and remission, whilst also supporting parents who have sadly said goodbye to their child. By raising money for It's Never You, you will be helping and supporting parents who never thought it would be them. Thank you.